0: I remember seeing a, a young man on TV, sweat dripping down his face and people hanging upon his neck and, and a mic in his face and him saying, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Some of you may know him as Cassius Clay. Others may know him as Muhammad Ali. But he claimed to be the greatest boxer of all time. And he was a great boxer. Though my personal favorite was marvelous Marvin Hagler. I like marvelous Marvin Hagler. He should have went undefeated, but he got ripped. The judges just did him in. But that's... It was political. I, I got to preach. I'm sorry. I got to preach. <laughs> But Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay, however you want to recognize him this morning, he claimed to be the greatest boxer of all time and there's probably not much dispute that he probably was, pound for pound, the greatest boxer, maybe not pure fighter, but boxer of all time. It's interesting to think about those who recognize themselves as the greatest. That's a pretty audacious statement to make considering there are 7.7 billion people in the world today to say that I'm the greatest. It's one thing for an exceptional athlete like Muhammad Ali to be able to say something like that. But though many people would not make that statement that they're the greatest, many people do think that they're better than others. Many of us have a higher opinion of ourselves than we really should. You ever thought about how to dismantle this church really quickly? You know, one of the best ways to be able to destroy this church really, really quickly is to do this. This is what I would like us to do. Let's all be committed to ourselves. I mean, and ourselves alone. If you want to dismantle this church, a matter of fact, if you want to dismantle any type of relationship, all you have to do is be just totally committed to me, to the big I. I am important. I deserve this. I am better than that. I've been teasing my mom since we've been living there as we're in between homes right now, and I keep teasing her. I give her a hard time. I said, "I am just not living. I am not used to living on this lower standard that you and you and and I've been giving her such a hard time." And uh, my dad just cracks up. He thinks it's hilarious. And and uh, but I, you know, you ever think about just making you the center of your world? You know, Pastor. I don't. I. You know. I, I make my. Myself, the center of the world. In many respects, if we're not careful, we do. See, if you look at our society and our, our institutions, they're falling apart rapidly. And they're falling apart because everybody is consumed with their rights. Their self-esteem. Their self-glory. Their self-promotion. And their pride. I see i deserve more this morning because of who i am the reality of all this self promotion though we look at it on the outside world the reality is it's crept into the church and, and we we as a church if we're not careful we can become so consumed with who we are and what we're doing and ourselves and it's all about us and me that it actually rips the church apart The sad reality is that this is becoming the norm of everyday Christianity. What's in it for me? John Piper, and I'm not saying that I agree with everything that this man preaches or believes, but he made a a very good quote. John Piper wrote, commenting on the current self-love movement. Today, the first and greatest commandment is, thou shalt love thyself. And the explanation for almost every interpersonal problem is thought to lie in someone's low self-esteem. Sermons, articles, and books have pushed this idea into the Christian mind. It is rare, he says, a congregation, for example, that does not stumble over the theology of Isaac Watts, who wrote, alas, and did my Savior bleed. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Matter of fact, modern hymn writers are changing that word from worm to another word because it's too humiliating. John Stott, another theologian, said, A chorus of many voices is chanting in unison today that I must at all costs love myself. One man said, all that we would need to do to verify the theology of self-love, pride, and and uh, um, uh, self-promotion is to walk into a Sunday school classroom next Sunday and ask, should a Christian love himself? He will probably discover quickly that the tide of opinion flows strongly towards a positive response. See, folks, self-love is neither historic nor biblical christianity self-love glories in itself love for god glories in the lord it is self-love and pride that has taken over many of the mindsets if not most of the mindsets of christians today the truth is though this is not a problem that's just sprung up in the 21st century church Jesus had to deal with this with his own disciples. Now, if Jesus, God in the flesh, had to deal with this with his own disciples, those men who spent three and a half years with him, Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time, the greatest preacher of all time, if he had to deal with that with those who were closest to him on a regular and consistent basis, how much more do we need sermons like this to help us, many of us, uh, many of us today, might be thinking, "Well, I don't need a sermon like this." I, I, you've just told yourself that you do. See, Jesus was trying to teach a spiritual lesson, and He's trying to teach us a lesson this morning. See, there's nothing wrong with being great. Jesus isn't saying you can't be great. Not at all. But what he's saying is greatness in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom where Jesus rules. Remember, Matthew was written to show that Jesus is king. That's why Matthew was written. You have four gospels, and they're each written for a different reason. Matthew was written to show Jesus is king. Mark was written to show Jesus as servant. Luke was written to show Jesus as man. And John was written to show Jesus as the son of God. And so Matthew's taking the standpoint of Jesus' life for showing him as king. And this is the way that he is to rule his kingdom. This is the way that he rules his kingdom. And us who know Christ as our personal savior, we are his subjects. And this is the way that we are to act in his kingdom. Any country, you just can't act any old way and not be penalized for it. Any country that's civil, right? Well, just like just you can't act in any old country, any way that you want, and not be penalized for it, in Jesus' kingdom, he has a certain way that has told us to act if we want to be great. The problem is, though, that there are not too many people that are interested in becoming great in God's kingdom once they find out what it takes. We would rather be great in our own kingdom because it's much more comfortable, a matter of fact. Matter of fact, you don't get your feelings hurt nowhere near as much. You don't feel like a doormat because it's your kingdom. Remember, the best way to be able to destroy Open Bible Baptist Church is not all these big sins that we would see out there that we place, though they would harm Open Bible Baptist Church, but the best way to destroy Open Bible Baptist Church is for every single one of us, me, I'm going to be consumed with me and my rights and my self-love, and I want every single one of you to be consumed with your rights, yourself, and your self-love. And what we will find is that we can very, very quickly dismantle the work of God. But what does it take to be great in the kingdom of God? Humility. Humility. See, we don't like to talk about humility, let alone live it out. Well, I don't know. Maybe we do like to talk about it, you know. It's like... I wrote a book on humility and the 10 ways I, I, you know, developed to be able to obtain that. Buy it for $19.99, you know, and you have your name in big bold letters across the front. I guess we don't mind talking about it. The problem is really living it out. What, what does that look like? What does it mean to be, oh, I know, it's the B-type personality people. Those, those that are meek and the mild people, they just sit back. The, the, the A-type people like, <laughs> you know, Pastor, I'm not a very humble person because I'm the A-type. I like, I can be out in front. I can talk to people. It doesn't matter. You know, I've preached to crowds of over 6,000 people before. It doesn't, I'm not intimidated by that. I, so I can't be humble. It's only those B-type people. No, a matter of fact, that's not what Scripture says at all. You know, you can, be a, you can be full of pride and be a very shy individual. See, humility is a key component to every believer's life. But to be humble does not mean that you cannot be great. A matter of fact, to be humble means that you are great in the kingdom of God. See, Jesus gives us some very profound truths to ensure greatness in his kingdom. And I want you to take a look at some of these this morning with me very quickly. First, God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, if you are going to be great in God's kingdom, God's kingdom is marked by sacrifice. God's kingdom is, Is marked by sacrifice. We see this in verses 17 through 19 where Jesus is talking about his death once again. He's talking, this is the third time that Jesus is talking to his disciples about his death. Some believe it's the fourth time. You know, I'm not going to get into all that with the commentators and stuff like that. But needless to say, Jesus has talked to his disciples multiple times about his death. And what's really interesting is now that Jesus is talking about his death to his disciples, This should really be a joyous time because there's great crowds going from uh, all over the place coming to Jerusalem. This is the week of the Passover. You know, when we celebrated Easter a few weeks ago, that's around the time that this was happening. Okay, it was the week of, of, of the Passover, and so it should have been a time of great joy. And in some aspects, it was because many of the people that followed Jesus thought that he was getting ready to set up his earthly kingdom. And man, they were going to be out from underneath the Roman slavery and oppression that they were experiencing. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. So Jesus starts to talk to his disciples about his death. And sacrifice in the kingdom of God is marked by death. But it's death by deliverance. See, Jesus was delivered over to die. Jesus speaks to his disciples here in in chapter uh, 20 and verse... In verse 19, and shall, verse 18, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Sacrifice in the kingdom of God. If you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, there's got to be a life of sacrifice, and you have to be willing to be delivered to be Sacrificed. That's what Jesus was teaching here to his disciples as, as he sees that he was being delivered up. See, delivered in this is a technical term for handing over custody. It's used in a variety of ways, delivering up Jesus. You ever thought about who delivered up Jesus? Who did deliver up Jesus to death? So he was handing, he, he's being handed over custody. That's the way we would term it today. Well, all I know who delivered up Jesus, it was Judas. See, right there in verse 18, it says, and he's going to be betrayed. Any of us who know the story of Jesus, did Judas deliver up Jesus? Yes. According to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. Oh, wait a, wait a second. Who delivered up Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 12 that the chief priests and elders delivered up Jesus. Well, that's true too. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says that the people of Jerusalem delivered up Jesus. So it was Judas, it was the chief priests and elders, it was the people of Jerusalem that delivered up Jesus. Pilate delivered up Jesus according to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 26. What I find interesting, says who delivered up Jesus, it says the Father. God the Father delivered up Jesus. According to Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, that it was God the Father that handed over his son to die on the cross for our sins as a sacrifice. Remember, we're talking about how can we become great in the kingdom of God, and if Jesus Christ is the ultimate picture of greatness, which he is, Then his life must be marked by sacrifice, and it was by being delivered up to death by his Father. According to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Jesus Christ himself delivered him to death. But guess who else delivered Jesus to death? You and I. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 that we handed Jesus over to death. And though, now listen, though there were many who partook in the delivering of, uh, of Jesus to death, Jesus willingly gave himself over to death. What is that to teach us? That though others may deliver us up to death, if you will, but that we would be willing to die Ourselves that we would be willing to sacrifice. That I'm gonna put myself out there to sacrifice for someone else. I'm gonna put myself out there to sacrifice for the work of God. I'm going to be willing to be delivered over. You say, What do you mean that we're to die to ourselves? Hey folks, look, if you want the church to thrive, I can tell you this much: die to yourself. Don't worry about your personal preferences. Your personal, let's say, wait a second, I'm going to set those things aside. I'm going to die to what I want. Why? For the betterment of the gospel and the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to set those things aside. Why? Because there is a bigger objective here. I'm going to sacrifice for the work of God. I'm going to die to myself. I tell you what, if we have a church that's full of those type of people, could you, imagine, could you imagine a church that's tripping over each other so that that way we could all serve each other? Amen. Guess what? We're to die to our ambition. Amen. We're to die to our ambition. Well, wait a second. I wanted to be in that position of leadership at the church, and they asked me to clean the toilets. Well, hey, folks, if that's what needs to be done, then why don't we just do that? You say, well, that's easy. For you to say you're the preacher, let me tell you something. For years, I cleaned toilets around here. For years. I've been on my hands and knees throughout all those buildings over there with a little scraper getting up wax off the edges of, because that's what my pastor wanted, and getting them out of the corner so that way the floors would look immaculate. We died to our ambition. By the way, side note, I never asked for this. This <laughs> is where God placed me. And by the way, another side note, that doesn't make me better than anybody else in here. I just this is just the role that I play. Remember? We die to self. But we're also to die to our pride. Wait a second. God in the flesh, when Judas Judas came to betray the Lord with a kiss, man, how wicked. How wicked. The sign of friendship. Come here, John. It would be like this. I'm not going to kiss him. (laughs) But it would be like this. This was the way it would be modern day. John would represent the Lord. I would represent Judas. Came up. Had a knife. Could you imagine? Thanks, John. Could you imagine? That's what it was like. You betrayed your friend with a kiss. How wicked. And Jesus at that very moment could have stopped him and said, Judas, there's no more life in you. He could have stopped it all. He could have stopped the soldiers from coming. He could have stopped the, 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 the whole band of, of beating on him. They, he could have stopped him being led off to Pilate and the Herod. He could have stopped it all. But instead, he was marked by sacrifice, and he willingly delivered himself to be sacrificed. But not only that, I see there is death by dominance. He let himself be dominated. Whoa, wait a second here. There ain't nobody that's going to dominate me. You know, that's what we say. I'm not going to be anybody's doormat. I'm not going to let anybody walk all over me. See, Jesus now is giving more details about his death than he did in the past. This is, this is more in depth. He's going deeper. And it was the Sanhedrin that was the religious, it was the Sanhedrin, the religious uh, body of that time that wanted to see Jesus die. They were all stirred up. You want to know why? Because Jesus had a bigger following than they did. You want to know why? Because he was one who taught with authority and not as the scribes. And they were pouting like kindergarten children that I can't believe that He's got more friends than I've got. I mean, that's very basic, okay? But they were upset because Jesus was taking their influence away from the people. So the religious body there at that time said, we want to, we've got to end this Jesus. We've got to take his life from him. But they had lost their power to do so. They couldn't do it any longer. And the reason being is because now the, Jew, the Jews at that time, they were controlled by the Romans. They were the Roman servants at that time. And so because of that, they had lost their power to put anyone to death. So the Sanhedrin, they were in a predicament. The religious rulers were in a predicament. And they appealed to the dominant Roman rulers. Jesus states that there are three actions. The Gentiles, meaning the Roman government... Would take against him. It says, take a look here, and behold, uh, verse 19, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify him. And this was all part of the death process when it came to crucifixion. But Jesus willingly allowed himself to be dominated by them. Jesus knew what he was facing. Jesus knew that he was facing total rejection. He was facing total rejection, deliverance, from his own people, the Jews. And then he was facing total domination by the Gentiles. So you know what it's showing us here in this portion of Scripture? That the whole world was against Jesus, but he willingly sacrificed himself. Jesus' life was marked by death. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, what does the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. Gave his only begotten son. Romans five ten. for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Matthew 20, 28, our text, the Bible says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says, You want to be great in my kingdom? The kingdom where I rule, your life must be marked by sacrifice. Let me ask you this morning are you willing to be delivered? Are you willing to be dominated? Are you willing to put your desires aside, your ambitions aside? are you willing to sacrifice for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the furtherance of his kingdom? See, we talk a lot about, yeah, I I, I sacrifice. But is that really what our life is marked by? I'm going to ask you a couple questions because too often we'll think that our life is marked by sacrifice or that we're not marked by pride, but we don't dig a little deeper. Let me tell you something. Everyone underneath the sound of my voice, everyone, everyone. Everyone. I don't care if you're watching by way of internet, Facebook Live, if you're watching later on via YouTube, listening by our podcast. Everyone in here, we all have a problem with pride. I didn't figure I'd get any amens on that, but. For example, do you look down on those who are less educated, less affluent, less refined, or less successful than yourself? Do you think of yourself as more spiritual than your mate or others in your church? Do you have a judgmental spirit to those who don't make the same lifestyle choices you do? The same dress standards that you have? How how you school your kids? Your entertainment standards, etc.? Are you quick to find fault with others and to verbalize those thoughts to others? Do you have a sharp, critical tongue? Do you frequently correct or criticize your mate, your pastor, or other people in positions of leadership, teachers, youth director, deacons? Do you give undue time, attention, and effort to your physical appearance, hair, makeup, clothing, weight, body shape, avoiding appearances of aging. Are you proud of the schedule you keep, how disciplined you are, how much you are able to accomplish? Are you driven to receive approval, praise, and acceptance from others? Remember, we're talking if we're marked by pride or humility. Are you Argumentative. Do you always have to win the argument? Do you generally think your way is the right way, the only way, or the best way? I remember one time I was dating this young lady, and her dad was a preacher. And I looked at him, and he had mentioned something that he was doing, and I said, sir, there's two ways to do things in life the wrong way, and the Riddell way. That didn't sit too well with him. <laughs> now I found out there's three ways to do things in life. The wrong way, the Riddell way, and my wife's way. <laughs> and all the men said, amen. Amen. <laughs> Do you have a touchy, sensitive spirit? Are you easily offended? Do you get your feelings hurt easily? You weren't invited to that party. Somebody forgot about your... Well, why'd they do that for them and not for... Am I I digging a little too deep? (laughs) Are you guilty of pretense, trying to leave a better impression of yourself than is really true? Here's a question. Would people at church be shocked if they knew what you were like at home? I'm not aiming for your feet. I'm aiming for your heart. Do you have a hard time admitting when you're... When you're you're wrong? Do you have a hard time confessing your sin to God or to others? Not just in generalities, but in specifics. Oh, I'm sorry, I was not as forthright with you as I should be. No, I'm sorry, I lied to you. I'm sorry that I permanently borrowed your hammer. No. I'm sorry. I stole from you. Do you have a hard time sharing your real spiritual needs and struggles with others? Ooh. Oh my, now here, I could preach on that for a long time. Because every single one of us in here have spiritual struggles and spiritual needs. That's why we are called a body. We are here to help one another, encourage one another, but to lay yourself out like that means that you're delivering yourself over and that you're willing to be dominated by others because the reason we don't do that is because, well, we're afraid that somebody will bring it back up again and use it against us. Do you resent being asked or expected to serve your family, your parents, or others? Do you become defensive when you're criticized or corrected? Are you a perfectionist? Do you get irked or impatient with people who aren't? Do you tend to be controlling of your mate, your children, friends, those in your workplace? Do you frequently interrupt people when they are speaking? Do you often complain about the weather, your health, your circumstances, your job, your church? Do you talk about yourself too much? Are you more concerned about your problems, your needs, your burdens over others? I've got another 15 or so questions I could ask you, but I think that you get the point. we can all say that, no, I'm not marked by pride. And just because we don't walk around with our chest puffed out and our head held high, we all have visages of pride that are lurking in our hearts. And if you and I are going to be great in the kingdom, then our life is to be marked by sacrifice. I want to ask you, are you willing to deliver yourself? And are you willing to be dominated? You say, well, pastor, what if they really take advantage of me? What if I sacrifice and I'm trying to walk in humility, but they take advantage of me? What if they treat me unkindly and my family unkindly? what if what if what if you know what if's a question that you can never answer you can continually ask that question and what ifs go on forever but the only thing that i can give you is what the word of god says and since we're supposed to be like jesus i would expect some amen's like that oh that's a good place to amen amen thank you pastor appreciate that if we're supposed to be like jesus then in the book of peter Jesus says that when he was reviled, he reviled not again. That when he was it's talking about his death, when he was mocked, when he was scourged, when he was beaten, when he was spit upon, when he was crucified, he didn't go after those people. He was being taken advantage of, he was delivered, he was being dominated by those people. There was great sacrifice on his part. It says that instead, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. So, in, let's instead we're, uh, instead of worrying about other people and the way that they may treat us, let us be like Jesus and self-sacrifice to be great in His kingdom, willing to deliver ourselves over for His kingdom, willing to be dominated by others for His kingdom, in order that he who judges righteously. We'll have the last word. That's exactly what Jesus did. By the way, the reason we don't do that is because we think our judgment of the situation is correct. And remember, every time we try and judge the situation, it's marred by sin. Why? Because we're sinners. Well, we're sinners. So the only way to get true, righteous judgment for you and for that other person is to commit it to God. Lord, you know what? I'm just going to have my life marked by sacrifice for you. Whatever comes, whatever happens, my goal is to please you. My goal is to sacrifice for you, for the gospel, for the kingdom. You know... If you would take this principle and apply it to your marriage, I can guarantee you, your marriage will improve. Even if both parties don't participate. You know, if you take this principle and apply it to your work life, I can guarantee you, your work life will get better. Even if your boss doesn't or your coworkers don't. It's amazing. When we start living by biblical principles, I'll hear people say, Man, they've changed so much. And I'm thinking to myself, They haven't changed, you've changed. See, this principle right here of living by sacrifice, willing to be delivered over and willing to be dominated, and committing myself to Jesus Christ alone, God the Father who judges righte- righteously, will transform any relationship that you have. But just the opposite is true. You look out for yourself. You look out for number one. You're prideful. You're boastful. You're all about me. And the world surrounds me. Life is about me. Guess what? You will destroy every relationship that you have. It's one or the other. And see, so the reason that we have so much trouble in the world is because we're trying to do this. We want some of the sacrifice. Don't want to go too far. And then I got to be careful because I'm going to. And the problem is, this isn't solid ground right here. It's like you're standing on two boats, and both boats start up, and they're going in opposite directions. That's a problem what's going to happen? You're going to end up falling. So the question is, is your life marked by humility? This is just one of the marks. I've got three more. It's too late. We're not going to go on. But let me tell you something. The reason Jesus did this was not to just become the greatest. The reason Jesus did this was so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you been forgiven of your sin? See, friends, you and I, every single one of us in here, we have broken the law of God. The Bible tells us if you've lied just one time, you've broken all the law. You're guilty of it all. And because you've broken God's law, therefore, you need to be restored to fellowship with God. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you have a sin debt that you can't pay. None of us can pay. We can't be good enough. You might have heard, well, my good ways outweigh my bad. No. That, then why did Jesus die? What's the point of that? It's foolish. Why would somebody do what Jesus did if my good can outweigh my bad? And by the way, who sets that good standard? Oh, uh, God does. And by the way, you know what he said about our goodness? That it's like filthy rags to him. So that doesn't pan out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if your church told you that. They told you wrong. But Jesus died because you broke God's law. I broke God's law. That means I've sinned against God and I need to be restored. That's why Jesus died. So if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, today you can make that choice. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, today you need to make the choice of being willing to sacrifice by being delivered, by being dominated.